Technically, it's three camps. We have three different encampments. Camp Brookwoods. Brookwoods. Camp Deer Run. Camp Deer Run. River Outpost. Three camps. Moreau and Brookwoods. Deer Run. River Outpost. The Three Camps Podcast. With your hosts, John Cooper and Seth Coates. Three camps. Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of the Three Camps Podcast. I'm John Cooper. With me in studio is my co-host, Seth Coates. Hey. Hey, hey Seth. Seth, uh, we are already thinking about summer camp. It seems insane. It does seem insane. I was just on a, a call with some staff this morning and talking about how, like, it's, I have eight weeks. I have eight weeks till I head north. My goodness. And start opening the property. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I really genuinely feel like that's craziness. Um, let's get see. So the, we have, We've been seeing everyone like we had a couple winter reunion. We had a winter reunion, then we had uh, winter retreats or winter weekends. Still ice on the on the lake. Yeah, um, we Brookwoods is flowing. We're now like at a point where that's moving pretty good. Yeah, not not Brookwoods, but the brook. Yeah, uh, heard brook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it feels it's that weird time of year, right? Where it it you, you get these warm ups, right? And these yeah. days that you're like, oh, spring, it's for it, and it's not. It's right. still winter. Yeah. If people can visualize this, I was down on the lake two days ago. I passed you on the car and I was like, you think I can go on the lake? And you're like, yeah, no, there's no way anyone's falling through. So I, I decided to go down. And it was one of these days where it just had frozen after it kind of thawed. So some smooth glass and parts on the lake that you're walking on. You feel like you're on the moon. Anyway, <laughs> I'm directly in front of the boathouse, maybe 40 feet off of the boathouse standing on the ice. And I start to slip and i'm thinking if anyone is watching the live stream right now my feet are just kicking in the air i never actually fell but i did do that move where you're walking on ice you know and everything's just slipping from underneath you for 20 seconds or so that's great you look like charlie chaplin out of some black and white exactly right yeah exactly as we think about this episode we had over the last over this past summer there was actually one hike in particular i think what the ldps would call the sixth day right and on it there were three different groups and, and within those groups, there were three different examples of people having these kind of incredible, weird experiences on the trail. And I didn't really know anything about, well, let me just put it this way. So as I was trying to explain it to you, I was thinking, I don't know how you call this. Like we, we were sort of kicking around the idea of encountering God on the trail or, or something where people are met with providence or met with good fortune. Um, and then you had this thought of what people call this that I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It's this term, right? Trail magic. Yeah, what is trail magic? Well, let me tell you a story. I think it'll put it in uh, in perspective. So when I was in my teenage years, I'm hunking in uh, the Adirondack Park, and I think um, in the High Peak region, right? So up near Colden Mountain. And the group I was with were taking a break, and another group rolls through, and they take a break kind of, you know, within, I, you know, we can see them, but they're over there, we're over here. They do their thing, they move on. We take a little longer break. I think we might have eaten lunch in that spot or something. Mm. We get up and walk, or the trail we're going on it intersects with where they were, and we're walking through, and I just kind of look down where they had set their backpacks, and there's a Nalgene laying there, full of water. Um, but the cool thing about it was this. Uh, it's the old school Nalgene. So do you, you know the cat that you can picture the cat that makes the image of Nalgene, right? Yes. It's their logo or whatever. Yeah. This was a, the old school bottle where the cat was big, like three inches tall. They don't. 
and anyway, I don't think they even use that symbol anymore. But okay. anyways, even in the nineties, this was like a coveted item, yeah. right? And it's been like a half an hour. Like they're gone. Yeah. They're not coming. Like they didn't circle back. It's like, well, we debate like, oh, can we run this after them? And then we decide like, no, we just, we should just take this with us. And so I find this thing that you couldn't even buy in stores at the time. Yeah. And it becomes my Nalgene. Oh, there you go. That's trail magic. That's trail magic. <laughs> I, I happened upon this great thing. <laughs> right. All right. And it could, could be edible. Could be the first time I heard the term. Yeah was a, a through hiker talking about it at a presentation that he had done and he describes it as like you're walking down the trail and all of a sudden like when you look down there's a ho-ho in its wrapper still like pristine it's not melted by the sun it's just sitting there on the side of the trail <laughs> and like you've been eating freeze-dried food for four days and yeah. you can't help yourself but to pick this stuff up and scarf it down because like this <laughs> magical thing just happened to you. i love that okay okay that works i like that yeah so trail magic uh, let's go with it all right Episode 15, baby. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Sorry, this is a long time coming. Getting into the episode. So Seth kind of got me thinking about trail magic. And while it's often associated with the Appalachian Trail, it certainly isn't something that's bound by just being part of the Appalachian Trail. There's trail magic, I guess, all over the place. And if you search for it, you can find stories of different people Interestingly enough, if you were to search for it or there's like a hundred subreddits, you can find people that will either talk about the trail magic they experienced or the trail magic that they planted. Something I didn't know uh, goes on and goes on uh, at, at camp as well. So we'll, we'll have more about that later. Part of the reason why this episode was so long coming was we had a few different stories, several guests. You know, sometimes we try and put these episodes together and we think, okay, we're going to stick to a theme and we're just going to put it all out there. But then you look at it and go, we've got an hour and 20 minutes and that's probably too much. So we're going to break this theme out over the next couple episodes. So I was thinking about trail magic and thinking about it from the perspective of the person receiving the trail magic, something I have never really had. And Seth kind of told a quick story about how he had been on the receiving end of some trail magic. And then, you know, we also wanted to talk about uh, in this episode, some of the things that I guess people will do, as I say, to kind of spur on trail magic. And then at the end of the episode, we have a story about a time on the trail where really something kind of miraculous took place. All right, so before I bring in our first guests, bear with me here. I was thinking about this as I've been going through this. I remembered a video I had seen like 10, 12 years ago that I think completely encapsulates what's, what it's like to be on the receiving end of trail magic. Now, obviously, it probably doesn't even need to be said, we're not talking about magic, but when somebody's been out in the woods for several days and they come across something kind of insane for their moment, it does probably feel something like a supernatural event where you can look down and find a ho-ho or look down and find a Nalgene or whatever it is. So this video is about a guy named Alexander Game, who is this uh, Norwegian, explorer he's a researcher he uh he was called a polar explorer uh anyway so he had he was the first person to do an unsupported trip to the south pole and back it took him 86 days and you know he's you can just picture this guy's on uh snowshoes he is carrying or dragging a sled behind with all of his gear and as he's doing this kind of trek to the south pole on his hike in, he would stop and he would leave 
food caches and kind of mark them down on his map so that they would be there for him on the return trip. And, you know, this guy's kind of a nut, but he purposefully did not leave details in his logs about what was going to be in those food caches. Evidently, he did this because not knowing kind of provided extra motivation for him to get to the next mile marker. But in his notes, he basically says most of the time he would come across one of these, it would be filled with these like superfood packets that are designed to give you maximum nutrients in the most efficient way possible. So basically not, not very fun. Okay, so on the 86th day of this trek, he comes to his final food cache. And, you know, just, you can picture this. He's got like ice in his beard. He's wearing goggles. I mean, this guy is mangy. Oh, and I should tell you, he filmed the entire thing. So it's not like this was staged. This is back before people were doing anything they could to get views and staging these kind of things just so they could become an influencer. It's, it's all before all that stuff. So he shares the footage of just this one bit of his entire trek. Okay, so if you can visualize this, he's coming to the first food cache he would have left, you know, basically on day one. So 85 days ago, and, and he starts to kind of pick through and he's kind of narrating what he's finding. Oh. Shahada. At one point when he's digging it up, he's kind of saying, oh man, wouldn't it be amazing if something were in here? And, you know, he's going, what if I left myself some candy? And then he goes, you know, it may be ridiculous, but one can have hope. Okay, so he's rifling through his stuff and he's like, okay, I got matches, I left myself Vaseline, uh, zinc ointments, you know, all these things. And then, and then he sees it. So then, then he finds a bag of cheese doodles and he is losing his mind. He literally starts questioning, is this real? Am I imagining this? Could this really be the thing? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, I promise I won't make you listen to this whole thing, but then he kind of goes through and it's a huge bag. So he starts finding some other things and then he realizes he found, uh, I don't know what this is. And it's like a Norwegian candy and he, you know, has another episode. This guy's the man. Okay, so hopefully that adequately captures what it's like to be on the receiving end of trail magic. Even if that trail magic came from you 86 days earlier and you have no memory of such things after having traveled to the South Pole and back.
right, so Seth, we have some real legends uh, on the podcast today. We have Beth Walker. My name is Beth Walker, and I have been at camp for 18 years, I think, and um, some as a camper, LDP. I worked at Moose River and then also worked over at Brookwoods and Deer Run. I'm definitely a top bunker. Um, I always was a top bunker. And I think now though, I'd definitely be a bottom bunker out of laziness, but I, I was a top bunker. Um, I think I didn't, similarly, I didn't want people kind of congregating on my bed. It was a retreat to go up there and then kind of be, be able to be alone for the rest of the night. Yeah. And Liz Pruitt. My name is Liz Pruitt. I spent five years as a camper, including LDP, and then five years on staff. And I am a top bunker. All right. Why the top bunk? I don't want other people in my bed. <laughs> yeah. I totally I get that. I joke because a friend, a fellow camper, um, kind of the FOMO middle child, a lot of them tended to be bottom bunks. So maybe that's, maybe that's why. Oh, there you like, go. Oh, we should add me. that. <laughs> yes. The social dynamic of where they fall in the family. I love that. Yeah. So very happy to have Beth and Liz on this episode with us. Both have been uh, very much involved in deer run and also very much involved in trails uh, and doing tripping and whatnot. Um, we obviously talked about some trail magic at the top of this episode and what it means in terms of trail magic, Beth, I don't know. You've been around 18 years. Do you have anything that's like that much like of a stark, Hey, this happened. It's kind of insane on the trail. So for me, um, I can remember having, um, just one of those serendipity or coincidence or just, wow, this is so random that in this big world, you know, where we're connecting on, on this, the small little patch of earth, um, at this exact time. So, when we were, I was uh, in either the reindeer or elk cabin, I can't remember, but um, we had our overnight hike and we had known that one of our past um, beloved kind of camp leaders, um, AJ Andreessen was going to be hiking the AT and there was kind of this mention of it throughout the summer. We knew she was, she was out there. There were some updates, I think um, camp had once in a while to see where she was, but um, when I was a camper, I wasn't really aware of that as much, but I think in retrospect, I had learned about it. And um, we were out there, we were hiking, and I wish, I feel like it was the Carters, but I can't remember, but um, we're hiking along and all of a sudden I just see this smiling face walking towards us and she wasn't alone. There were definitely other hikers with her. And I'm staring at her, I'm like, that person looks so familiar. Why do we know this person? And our counselors and the trip leader immediately like, erupted and they knew exactly who she was and it was just really special moment that um we passed just by chance um on the exact same kind of part of the trail um aj while she was hiking um kind of through hiking doing the whole at so i think for for me as a camper it just felt if there was also like some cool celebrity status like here she is like tell us what's going on um how have you been but there also was, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for her, but some element of kind of up by camp, homecoming, like this, she, she had done the trail, you're in your kind of neck of the woods, literally, and just to be able to have kind of that greeting from someone, um, to encourage you from someone who, meaning camp, like for something special in, in her life. So 
Um, I just remember that being one of those, you call it like, you know, just it's a small world moments or kind of serendipitous moments. Yeah, on the that's amazing. It's funny, you know, she, for as long as I've been here, has been a nurse over the summer. It's been great having oh, her I around. I have a follow up to this, sorry. No, go we ahead. also bumped into her on the beach during a girls camp day years later. Oh, no way. No, so, so that's awesome. And you also wonder like how much energy you brought to her, you know, pushing through and getting through it all. I mean, that's awesome. Amy, uh, we have to have her on, but she's been, you know, so, so pivotal in, in just kind of helping us get through each summer. So I'll have to find her and, and get her on this, on this whole topic. So what I alluded to earlier, Beth and Liz kind of also mentioned the idea of either being part of the providing of trail magic or what would happen if we encountered trail magic on the trail. The like trail magic idea of like, like, yeah, like bundles of food being left and like finding them. Like we, my experience with that, like straight up was we never let the kids touch it because we wanted it to kind of be for like a through hiker. Oh. So I, it was interesting. Like there was this like, Eth like kind of like yeah. rule. I don't know, Liz, if you ever felt that way. I, I brought the food. <laughs> we brought it to like leave for three people. So like really? we would teach that to kids. Like, like what do we have left over? What's not? And we would like leave it at different pockets. I and that was this. like our way of encouraging. And so like, so it's oh. funny because like we definitely left it, but I don't think we've ever happened upon something and been like score because we, because yeah. as, because we're a camp, we want to like right. let the kids see how we can like leave something for someone else kind of thing. And that makes total sense where you guys hike because of where, you know, the Appalachian Trail. Ultimately, these things can get you talking about the surreal. So I did throw a weird question that's not really a trail magic question, but it's kind of in that same vein to Liz. Liz, weirdest thing you saw on the trail? This was when I was working at camp in the off season. And I feel like I want to say Mike Brigham was with me and we were hiking Mount Major and there was a guy there's a guy literally carrying a glass of red wine down Mount Major just by himself. <laughs> I'm going to introduce somebody who has joined our team for a short while. His name is Josh Tricarico. You may have heard us mention him in the past as being one of the ones who has done some production for us. Josh was a LDP counselor this past summer, and as such can kind of set the tone for some of the stories that we're about to tell you. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for being a part of our team. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's get this out of the way. Are you a top bunk or a bottom bunk guy? So I'm a bottom bunk guy, but the thing is I was never a camper. So I was always in the counselor bed, which at Brookwoods, it's always just, it's not a bunk bed. So, I, mm. you know, you kind of have to be the bottom bunk. Uh, but in college with bunk beds, I was also always a bottom bunker and that's like the social aspect of it for me. Got it. Okay. So Josh, as we tell these two or three stories here, as they've all been kind of on the same hike, even though they're in separate groups, you can kind of set the scene for all of it. Give us an example or tell us about how you kind of prepare for this LDP two six day hike. One thing to remember with this group is that they didn't get their LDP one year. Right. And so this six day hike is in the second week of them being at camp again after two years of not being at camp. Yeah. And so some of them stayed in touch over that time, but for a lot of them, it's making new friendships. And so when we as the counselors go about making three different groups 
part of that is taking people who don't really know each other and putting them into individual, you know, separate groups so that over those six days, you go through a bunch of stuff and you make some new friendships. So it's actually very methodical and strategic how we go about doing it. Um, and right. Okay. So you're saying if there are some groups that already sort of know each other, you might even break them up just to kind of spread the group around. Yeah, totally. Totally. Got it. You know, we only known them for about a week. So it's actually pretty tricky to think, Hmm, this person would be good in this group with this person, with this counselor on this trip, super specifically, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, sure. Now what's the mood? Is everyone are people nervous, you know, having to step back into this world, as you say, gone two years and now there's a pretty decent hike coming your way. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And it's just getting back into the camp routine. It's been so long since they've done a camp routine, you know, packed out at the rock, gone on a trip like this with multiple people who, you know, you didn't necessarily pick to be with. It's totally a excitement, but super nervous. And there's, there's also part of it where they're like, oh, I wish I could just be with the people I could choose. Yeah. I don't really want to be in this group, but right. that's kind of the best part <laughs> about it too, though. Sure. Now, can you remember, because we referenced this at the end of our, uh, the Brookwoods and Deer Run kind of recap pod that we did. We talked about the rain. And this hike, I remember, just had, you guys had tons of rain. Did you know that going in? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. You know, we were aware that it was already a rainy summer but one of the things is first of all going into the white mountains it's super hard to have predictable weather so it's not even worth it at mm. some point and the other thing too is even if it says that it's going to be sunny for six straight days should you pack for it to be sunny no you should prepare your best and that's i mean george will tell you that time and time again um pray for rain yeah um and so you know, you go into that ready for whatever it's going to throw at you. Right. Okay. So the first story that we'll start with is one with Lily Delahanty and Sydney Silkrosky. My name is Lily Delahanty, and this is my seventh year at camp. Lily, we ask every guest on our show, do you prefer the top bunk and the or the bottom bunk and why? I think it's like a 60-40 for me for top bunk. Just because whenever I've been bottom bunk, a lot of people sit on my bed and it gets dirty. I'm like, eh. But it's also a lot easier, especially with the metal bunks, to be a bottom bunk. Because with the top bunks, they the ladder is like this and it's not like up on the wooden bunks. You have to like climb over it. And especially in the during the night, that's not fun. All right, that's an answer. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, my name is Sydney Silkrosky, and I have been at this camp for one year, um, but I'm part of the Sandy Cove Bunch, or I guess I was there for 10 years total between being a camper and being on staff. Big bottom bunk fan because, first of all, you can like hang things in the like middle grates. I mean, you can put like pictures up there, you yeah. can put like your headlamp there if you want to read at night. Um, you can like throw that in the grates and then like turn it on. You have a reading lamp, yeah. and you can also have friends sit on your bunk. I always yeah. liked having friends sit on my bunk, so yeah. Okay. And they're in a group of seven people, and we all split off that morning, going in different directions, but all uh, doing the same types of hikes. We split up the groups. Um, was really excited about my group. Uh, we had three girls and five guys going. Um, as well as Greg Sporco on trip staff. 
Shout out to Greg. Had our early breakfast that morning. Everyone was really pumped to get um, out on the hike. There were some people who were a little hesitant who didn't love hiking. But overall, everyone was really excited to go on their first trip. We didn't know each other super well. So we're all in the van. Like, it was a good morning. Um, Had some fun music going. Everyone was getting pumped. And then we get to the parking lot. We took our little before picture. And that's when it started raining. Um, So it started raining a little bit into our hike there. And it's a rainy day and they get going. And within the first mile or so, they have this accident that they really couldn't have prevented. We were 0.76 miles in, so barely there. I just remember like Greg like divvying out the food and I was carrying like the big jars of like hummus and I was carrying cucumbers and I think <laughs> like other things like that yeah. for I think I was carrying like our lunch for that day mm-hmm. um, and as we were walking up you know it was a little wet like I had taken off my raincoat and just had like I think yeah and my fleece because I started to sweat a little Greg had given me like one of his walking sticks to cross a river I remember and then I remember like going up and one kid, Andrew was behind me and he was like, come on, everyone, let's go, we got this. Um, And then I just remember, it's kind of just like a blur because I like fell and then I don't really remember anything after that. And I started remembering stuff like as I was being put into the ambulance and like, on the way to the hospital so that entire period it's kind of just blank oh my goodness so people have like relayed information back to me and i remember like small bits here and there but it's mostly just blank yeah so i saw i was behind andrew so andrew was behind lily and then i'm behind andrew now hang on can we blame andrew for anything here we should try most of it i think yeah i i told told him afterwards because he was saying that he was gonna sing songs that were really annoying to try to get everyone to keep moving Uh so afterwards i was like i was trying to get away from you that's why i (laughs) fell all right yeah where lily just slips and hits her head on a rock and she's just out basically what i saw was a pack just go sideways what had happened was like these rocks were just super slippery and it was a misstep and then all of a sudden Lily is down um, and I'm super thankful for Woofa training shout out to Ariel um, mm-hmm. for training us in all this because without that like Greg and I kind of when we checked to see if she was okay and she very clearly wasn't we kind of looked at each other like shoot we're actually going to have to use what we learned here Yeah. and so you have Sydney Silkrowski and Greg Spork are two very capable leaders of this group. And they're going through, you know, everything we learned in Wilderness First Aid. Super glad we had that training um, under our belts. But yeah, so she fell. And um, I think when I fell, like Haley dropped her water bottle at the same time. So everybody, she went to pick it up and then she turned around and like I was down. And so I went up and I was kind of like, Lily, are you okay? And just blank stare absolutely nothing and so now you hit your head we know yeah that, right? i hit like my temple like yeah. right here wow. yeah we started doing all the checks that we learned and does this person know like 
uh, what time of day it is, do they know um, where they are, and do they know um, their name? And so those are like the three checks, and the only thing she knew was her name. Wow. I was like, do you know who Greg and I are? I had no idea. No idea who the two of us were, so we are like, okay, like, definitely have a head injury here. Yeah, kind of went through all the woof of stuff of like, getting a tarp set up over her, and meanwhile we have, you know, all these other kids, like, what do we do with them? And we were on like this kind of sharp bend. So it was a really weird place to have it happen to in the sense of like, we had all these other kids we had to like keep off the trail. They're getting ready to um, care for her. And the part where this story is insane is that minutes later after she slips, probably two or three minutes behind us was this trauma surgeon. I want to say her name was Lila. She came up, immediately started doing kind of like the same checks we had done, taking her vitals, all of that. Um, I just want to stop here. So yeah. a trauma surgeon, two minutes after the fall, yeah. is walking up the trail. Yeah. I mean, you were never going to get that fast a speed of service. No. No, not at all. Um, so it was total God moment. Um, and it was her birthday, by the way. Yeah. The trauma she surgeon? Was on a hike yeah. with, I think her brother. <laughs> yeah, it was her and her brother out on a birthday hike. At one point, she stepped away to like call her family, like, hey, I'm going to be late to my birthday party kind of deal. And she, like, we were like, it's totally fine. You can go. And she stayed. She was like, I'm absolutely staying. Like, wow. um, the whole time. She was incredible. And then so they, they reach back out to camp and they're figuring out a way to evac her and get her to the closest hospital. Because at this point, they don't know if it's just a concussion, if it's any worse than that, if it's a gash, if there's internal bleeding or any of this. Thankfully, they have this neurosurgeon there who you can say a little more about that, but you're on the trail. There's only so much you can find out right there. And so uh, they're going through all of this with the neurosurgeon and they end up evacuing her. Um, and that just throws a whole wrench in their first day though. Um, thankfully, they were able to get her, get her out. They took her to a hospital um, and she was able to make it back to camp pretty quickly. So how long were you at the hospital? Um, I want to say a few hours. Yeah, I mean, it took four hours for us to get you out. Um, oh, really? The, yeah, so the whole evac took four hours because it was, you know, um, the initial checks. And then we, we called search and rescue pretty much immediately. And then it took them a little bit to hike in. And then they had to, like, put the stretcher together, took her out on the stretcher. And wow. then Andrew and Greg walked out with her. Um, and with search and rescue helping to carry um, the stretcher and also they kind of like got everything from her pack to bring it back mm. um, so we could have like food and everything that was in there um, any group gear but yeah the whole thing took four hours so yeah. um, well. you know we started early in the morning but we were four hours behind by the time um, you know everything was said and done so and then so you had a concussion yeah that was the that was the verdict yeah um, where she went through all of the um, concussion protocols and that's what they ended up finding out it was just a a pretty severe concussion um, but then Sydney and Greg had to turn around keep the group going um, and kind of reevaluate because all of these trips have a certain mileage goal and you start off your first day saying we need to make it to this campsite which is let's see 11 miles away we're gonna start hiking to this and in the first mile you get an accident and you that takes you hours and hours 
And then all of a sudden you're behind and you have to reevaluate what you're going to do for the next six days without knowing if something else is going to happen too. So kudos to them for turning around and getting the group going again to get onto their next, uh, you know, campsite. Okay, so we're kind of leaving you in a place that's not our typical place of resolution at the end of a podcast. As I mentioned earlier, this is kind of the first of a two-parter when it comes to trail magic. And in that second part, we're definitely going to hear more from Liz Pruitt and Beth Walker. And then we also have another group that was a part of that LDP six-day talking about uh, their hike. And honestly, we kind of take a little creative license with the term trail magic in the second part of this two-parter. It is fun to talk about these moments that may be described as fortuitous. I think I would, and most of you would agree, we would probably say providential. And it's remarkable to hear some of these stories. But then in our next part, we sort of think more about some of the things that take place on the trail that you might call quote unquote magical. But really it's something that happens on almost every hike that goes into the woods, especially with camp. I'm not giving you any more foreshadowing. But here's what I do want to do with the few minutes I have left here. And honestly, we're going out on a limb, okay? So please, let me start with this. 978-308-2679. If you're a listener of the podcast, you know that is our podcast voicemail. So here's a call to action. If you or somebody you know through camp on the trail has had some kind of crazy story that would fall under the category of trail magic. Call us and tell us about it on the voicemail. Our goal is to play a few of those uh, for the next episode as well as the second part of the series. Seriously, right now, take stock, take a minute, think through some stories you had when you were at camp, or it doesn't even have to be at camp. You know, I kind of have one too. And um, I've never done this and I feel like it's probably cheating, but I may call and leave a voicemail. But you, no, you should definitely call and leave a voicemail. 978-308-2679. You know, we hit over 5,000 downloads and we thank you for it. Um, But that just means that now we just need some people who are listening to actually call in and leave a voicemail. And that's going to be the end of my pitch. So I will leave you with this. The Three Camps podcast has been produced by Seth Coates and myself, a big warm thank you to all of our guests, including Josh Tricarico, Billy Delihante, Sydney Sakrosky, Beth Walker, and Liz Pruitt. And yeah, I really hope that all of us, I hope for you, that you have a moment today or a moment this week as you listen that even closely rivals an approximation of the glee that Alex Gammy felt when he found cheese doodles after three months of being in the South Pole. Thanks for listening, and so long.